Welcome to Invisible Not Broken, the Chronic Illness Podcast Network. The new Invisible Not Broken podcast features roundtable discussions and candid conversations between the hosts of all the podcasts within our network. I'm Monica from Explicitly Sick. I'm Eva from Human Care. I'm Jason from Discomfort Zone. I'm Dr. Lee from Sex and Chronic Illness. You can find all of our shows on your favorite podcast player or on InvisibleNotBroken.com. Hey, it's Jason here. Before we jump into today's show, we have a quick announcement. We're currently looking for stories from you, our listeners. Has anyone ever refused to believe that your invisible illness is real? Did that disbeliever ever come around? And if so, why do you think they changed their mind? How did that experience impact you and your relationships? On the flip side, have you ever had that one person support you while everyone else dismissed or downplayed your illness? We want to hear your stories, your encounters with family, friends, partners, doctors, coworkers, or anyone else in your life. These stories could be part of a long-form audio story I'm producing or in Monica's magazine. Send us an email at contact at invisiblenotbroken.com with a written or oral summary of your story. In the subject line, please write gaslighting stories, as well as your country of residence. All right, on to the episode. Um, so today we're chatting about coping strategies. <laughs> I love that after you just asked me how I'm doing and I'm like, no clue. Sure, that's definitely. <laughs> Apparently mine is denial, so... <laughs> It's, it's certainly a, a useful strategy. Sometimes it's, it's definitely needed. I'm a big fan of it, not just a river. Um, <laughs> okay, I won't make you laugh when you drink next time, I promise. I'll try a time and water. You're going to make water shoot out my nose. <laughs> yeah, video. That'll be fun. Oh, that'll be great. Just get it all over my like, laptop. Dinner's at my house. Like it's, it, it's all of us are like this. So it's, <laughs> it's just a like game on who can make who like shoot liquid out of their face. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a fun game. Go for the competition. Who can make it shoot out the furthest. I, I raised my kids on Red Dwarf and Monty Python, so it's, you know, <laughs> we're a very dry group. Um, so coping strategies, Monica, which ones have you had some that have been your go-to lately? What would have been your main ones? You know, if you'd asked me like two weeks ago, I would have had like a much more like um, Instagram worthy like quote for you, but the last two weeks have been absolute hell um, in every possible way. (laughs) Um, I'd say actually denial is like really what is working for me. Bento box. Like my son called it like um, crap I can do nothing about. And if you, you know, like, I I know it's not healthy long-term, but if you just need to get through like a day or a week, it actually got me through a week of just like putting like everything that I can't do anything about in a little corner so that I can focus on some things that I can do stuff about. And yeah, that's my coping strategy right now. I I think that that's actually one that is, although I I know you're, you're saying it's not the most useful or sustainable long-term, but I think in the moment, like when you're going through challenging things, or you just have thoughts that are just 
it, it, like when you're so overwhelmed that it's too much for one person to handle at, at um, a certain time, I think that it is definitely a legitimate strategy. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> There's not a lot of choice right now, so yeah. What what is what does that look like for you for the past week? I've seen on Facebook you've done some pretty uh, beautiful artwork. Um. Yeah, that's that's always my coping strategy is creating something like if I it's it is my shield against depression is like art and writing is it's always been my sword and shield because it's like at the very least at the end of the day, even if I couldn't get out of bed, I, I made something I did something and I can get in the flow where I can kind of forget pain and I have some control over the world when I'm writing. I can torture my characters in whatever way I want. And I get to decide, at least I think I get to decide. They're usually laughing at me, but I, I think I get to decide their fates. So it's um, it's tremendously helpful to get into a flow. Yeah, to just, uh, yeah, to just break up the thoughts and get into, um, yeah, ju yeah, just to escape that, to do something that goes outside of, yourself. I definitely find that as well. Um, I can't relate so much to, um, well, I guess in some ways I, I can certainly relate to that now. Like what, what you're saying, it just really brings me back to um, those couple of years when I was really, really severely ill. And it was like, my brain was stuck in this place of like, alarm is constantly going off. Like, you're really screwed existential dread nonstop. And I'm like, oh fuck, what do I do with every single moment of my day? And it was like, I just need to find an, an immediate escape from this. Um, and so the, yeah, doing that sort of thing was, was really useful for me. Um, but yeah, for me, I came from a very science and mathy background. And so one of my biggest outlets for a really long time was um, chess. So I would, yeah. Do, do you play at all? <laughs> My husband and I met because he absolutely slaughtered me at a chess game. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Let's hear, let's hear the story behind that. How did that come about? <laughs> I, I will tell you the G-rated version of this. <laughs> we were at a party and I had a seven month old. And so I was um, hanging, I was, I was only going to stay for a little bit and I was staying longer and I was just curled up with my son in a side bedroom while everyone else was, was having a party. And my husband is not he likes quieter spaces so he kind of accidentally stumbled into a room that my my little baby and I were hanging out in and we ended up playing chess together because that was like there's a board there he's like I just don't want to people so <laughs> we just kind of hung out the whole night playing chess while like a little seven-month-old tried to bat the the stuff around and he absolutely slaughtered me I I am not I am much better at things like um I can kill him at Scrabble no problem but uh, I think chess just requires a little bit too much of um, variables for me. Mm. But I love See, it. I, like, I, I love it. <laughs> I would say the exact same thing. Oh, wait, are we recording this, by the way? Yeah. Or Okay, wicked. Okay. <gasps> no, we're not. Oh, shoot. We're just live. Okay. Okay. Well, we, we can hit record as well. That. No one gets to watch unless they <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. Oh, no problem. Responsibility. I should not have responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's funny how you say very like how chess has too many variables for you because I see we're the talking exact... coping mechanisms in chess. If for anyone who's just tuning in now <laughs> on the audio version, if you want like the full version of everything we talked about before, 
you need to join our Facebook group or go to YouTube because there's no way I can recreate this. We talked a lot of cool stuff though. So yeah, join our Facebook group. I, I might be able to download it and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you take the do, audio out of it. If you want to take over, feel free. Like I skipped an interview this week. I just blanked on it. It was an interview I was looking forward to and I just forgot. Mm. I am not to be held responsible for anything right now. <laughs> I hear you. Okay, chess and variables. Chess and variables. Yeah. It was funny how, yeah, you were saying that chess has too many variables for you. I'm the exact same, like I say the exact same thing about Scrabble. I will whip on my friend's butts when it comes to chess. And then we open up a Scrabble board and I'm like very, very, I'm fourth out of fourth every single time we play. I cannot. (laughs) Yeah, my husband tried to play me it. after surgery because he was like, "I can actually win this time," and I still just, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're in like a very semi-conscious state. And they said that my literature degree wasn't going to do anything for me. I mean, that was absolute money well spent. <laughs> <laughs> Go for the world championship at Scrabble. <laughs> All those years in in literature classes. <laughs> English so major. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, as I was, uh, as I was saying with, with chess, um, it was, that was one of my go-tos, I think probably for about eight months. I'm the type of person when I pick something up, when I pick up a hobby that becomes my entire sole focus, that becomes like what I'm entirely focused on. So I think I've told you before for a while, my, my like main thing was meditation and mindfulness. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it eight hours to 10 hours a day. I'm like, I'm just going to go nuts with this. I'm going to basically become a Buddhist monk while like staying with my parents. And I basically did the same thing with chess uh, a couple of years later. Um, and I would just spend my, my dad actually got me, um, a TV that is like in my bedroom. It's up near the ceiling and it's like tilted down towards my bed. So my dad built something really cool for that. So I could um, watch it all from bed. But um, yeah, I would spend about six hours a day watching um, grandmasters play. So it would be like the world championship of chess. I would be watching like each individual move, but it would be like with commentators who would come in and, and like break down each move and be like, why was that the wrong move? Why, like, what could they have done instead? And I would like pause and try and pick up on everything and I try and guess all the moves myself so I got that yeah I be that picked up like that took all of my energy for quite a while I just like you're like totally like therapy for me it's like I just realized something it's like as you're talking I'm like I don't know if I've ever been that focused on anything like I have the attention span of a gnat with ADHD and a coke issue like I can't do like if I have a hobby I have 20 and I can't like I just can't focus except in ballet and that was like my first love was ballet and I did the same thing you did like I would watch like hours and hours of like the ballerinas like and I'm old so it's on VHS tapes but like I would like look at every single thing but when I had to stop doing that when I was 16 I think I like decided that I would never put all of my focus on anything because I always wanted something to fall back on like okay well I'm a jeweler but then my hands couldn't work okay well but I was learning photography before I could probably do that for a while okay we'll switch folk like I I have like a billion things I can kind of do pretty well just (laughs) I think I do it just so that I can like have something to fall back on when I can't do the other thing I should have done that I probably could have done that for my whole life like (laughs) (laughs) probably could have been on the gambit (laughs) 
I think a lot, a lot of people, or at least myself, like playing chess, um, it, yeah, it, it kind of drew me or it kind of drove me crazy after a while when you're just, you, you, like I fell asleep and chess pieces would be like in my dreams, I'd be solving chess puzzles in my dreams. And it was like, I couldn't even escape it at some point. Um, but I, I, I guess I do think, um, as you were saying, the fact that you have so many different hobbies now, does does that feel healthier now that you can switch between so many in a day? No, it's insane. Like I can't get great at anything. Like I'm good at a lot of things, but I can't get great because I, I can't yeah. give it my full focus to get great at it. I think you're being humble. I've seen your work. Like it's really incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> my child is actually better than I am. Yeah. Which is awesome. My, my, my little one is just such a psychotically good artist. Like it just blows my mind. And that little critter is pretty impressive, but um, no, I think like there's just like a level you have to get to when you're chronically ill and in pain, it's hard to practice anything for the hours you need to practice to get that good. And my brain fog gets so intense that I forget how to do the thing I knew how to do yesterday. So it's not like writer's block where it's like, oh, I don't know how to, like, you know, you hear like George R. R. Martin talking about where he's like, oh, I totally forgot how to write yesterday. It's like, no, I literally don't remember what sentence structure is. Like, <laughs> like I know that's cute. And that's like, you're cute always saying it, but like, I'll be drawing. And I'm like, how did I do that? My work was better. Like two months ago, I knew how to make like the eyes look wetter, like two months ago. How did I do that? And they forget. Like, so if I don't like do every hobby each day, I really start to lose like the skills that got me that good. And then I have to go back and like start from square one again, which is frustrating. It's why like after six years of Duolingo, I'm still at like, yeah, I can ask for directions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, I hear you that uh, about that with the brain fog struggles. I, um, well, I've been trying to write some scripts lately for some stories and it is like, I will get stuck on a word like, open or door or you know bench something so incredibly simple and i will have to go on thesaurus.com and just google and be like shoot i know it's it's kind of something you sit on um i'll just start oh googling God. random terms that are associated with it and then it finally pops or when up. you're just like convinced that door can't possibly be spelled that way like there's no <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad that ai isn't judgmental to my face because <laughs> i think that would break my heart <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I've, um, the computer I'm talking to you is thanks to a very kind, lovely friend who is brilliant at computers, but it died. Like it just woke up and became a brick and it has my novel on it that I've been working on for like a year and a half. And it ate my novel. It wasn't even in the cloud anymore. Like it was just gone. <laughs> and so for like the two weeks that my friend had my computer, he was trying to rebuild it and see if he could save the book. I was like, you know what? interesting moment to like kind of see what I could remember from the novel and then like repace it and now I think it's actually going to be better because I forgot a lot I now have the old novel and I'm like this new one's actually better <laughs> this is where brain fog can help <laughs> oh so so you, you did end up getting it back in the end I did he's he's brilliant and one of the most loving kind humans I know I'm so grateful to know him and he like just fixed my computer he's like and I found your novel and I'm like Yay. <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Like I need a laptop again, um, but I think the novel's actually better now that I re reconfigured a whole bunch of it. 
It's so cool that you were able to do that. Um, and also I was, I remember, I, I think I spoke with you the day after you lost that novel. Yep. And I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody respond to something in such a positive way. You were like, oh, this, this is amazing. I get to go back and I get to go and research all this history. And I'm just so excited to read all that. And I'm like, oh my God, if I like lose an email that I've been drafting for 15 <laughs> minutes, I will just like smash my hand on the on the desk and all that. Okay. Number one, I have teenagers. I have two teenagers. So to get me terrified, you basically have to join the Navy and get COVID. That's the level that we're at for you to scare me. And you're really underestimating how much I love research, especially like 1890s magic. Like I I will obsessively do that with no, no like push on me at all. Yeah. <laughs> like no one asked. And I am like going on and on about like how electric and radio waves and all of this affected stage magic in the 1890s. I, I fear for the people near me. <laughs> There's a real serious, genuine uh, interest there. I, I am obsessed. <laughs> so it's a problem. And learning how to cheat at cards like that. I cannot play cards to save my life. I have no filter from brain to mouth. So I have no poker face at all. But I love how people cheat at cards. So I've been like researching all of these ways people have been cheating at cards since like the end of the Civil War. Like that's been my new like research tangent. And it is fascinating, like knitting was a way to cheat like that's the coolest thing I've ever heard yeah it's so fascinating it's all like little mind tricks right it's like you watch this hand while they're misdirecting a hand in in this other place right? oh my god like I was, I've been learning all the card tricks because like my characters are magicians in the 1890s so I'm like learning how like you make a card appear how do you make a card disappear how do you deal from the middle or from the bottom of a deck but there was like all these little ways that like there'd be someone in a corner, they'd have like this older woman sitting in a corner knitting and she could see the cards and she would actually knit and purl based on what the hands were. What What is purling? Oh, that's where you go. Sorry. I'm, I also knit. Um, you go, uh, knitting goes forward and purling means you're going back into the stitches. So you're oh. like, that's how you create a rib stitch as you knit twice, you purl twice. So you create that like divot and the raise. So like the person sit there and knit different patterns. So like to tip off the person who's cheating with that person. Like how freaking cool is that? Like, wow. <laughs> nobody so ever, nobody, nobody ever suspects the granny sitting in the corner. I, my husband plays um, Call of Cthulhu. It's a, a role-playing game. And I'm like, if you really want to make an interesting character, make it, make it be the housekeeper, an older woman who's a servant. She'll see everything. She will know everything. She'll get to see all the papers. She'll get to like, see what's in the trash no one will ever think twice about talking in front of her like you will get all the info if you are an older woman like I swear I hit 40 it was like the cloak of invisibility went over me it's amazing I love it that's such a good plot twist as well um especially yeah yeah um I I I don't I guess I don't know enough about your uh novel and and the, the whole storyline <laughs> I'm really excited to read that once it once it's ready uh, if you ever want to like first read any chapters, you are welcome to. It's it's a lot of fun for me to write. And it's my first time writing not magical. Because I always write in fairy. Like all of my stories are like a twist on fairy tales. Or like, huh, wonder who's here. I'm going to guess it's my mother who's not supposed to be here. Um, I always write at the borderland of things like that like sort of twilight space like in between one thing and another so I was right like right on the edge of fairy like I love dark fairy and Sealy court like not like the 
you know, Victorian idea fairies, but like the, you know, the earlier idea fairies, like they will mess with you for their own entertainment. Like that's fun. And this is my first time writing, not in that world. Mm. Like there's Did no you- actual magic in my books right now. Like this book, it's all stage magic. Great choice. Yep. Apparently Siri likes my choice. She just told me. Great <laughs> choice. I don't know why this thing is listening to me right now, but all right serious serious listening in on your conversation if, if all of a sudden like a movie comes out about this book i'll know that you know, <laughs> ceiling. state here yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um so um shoot i'm trying to forget coping mechanisms which i totally like hijacked into like my writing no 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 i mean that's it <laughs> because that is a really perfect one second i'm just gonna take out these headphones they're really horrible i'm just gonna put in a new one um my dog is on high alert. I don't know why he thinks that like the zombie apocalypse is coming, but he is really sure we're all going to die. Oh, no. Nothing worse than a super nervous 95 pound wolf. Oh, it's the wolf, eh? That's the, no, the pug. You can kind of hear everyone's all going. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, sweetie. Oh, honey. Oh, you're trying Poor to be kid. intimidating. <laughs> it's the cutest thing. <laughs> Like, oh, oh, bless your little heart. You are a hamster, darling. (laughs) (laughs) She's trying to be like the wolf. She really, well, she owns him. So I guess she thinks everything else should find her intimidating also, but. Yeah, yeah. How do your, oh, I, my internet might be crapping out here. Um, No, we're still good. Do you find, um, yep, we're still good. Do you find uh, your animals are really helpful when it comes to coping? I couldn't survive without, without my kids, my animals, my friends, my husband, my animals, especially because they're, they don't mind, they don't work. They don't go to school. (laughs) Like it's, it's something that I wished we would actually put, um, funding into, because I know that there's a lot of disabled people who live alone, who really want an animal. And I think it'd be so important for us to put actual resources into making sure that people who are housebound can have an animal where someone comes in and helps care for that animal. They come in and help feed the animal and take the animal for walks, but the person still gets that, that bonding if they're able to and want to. I've I've talked to so many people on Twitter who are like, I would do anything to be able to have a pet, but I physically cannot walk a dog and I don't have the funds to take care of an animal, but I have all this love to give. And I think that would be such an interesting thing if we took you know, all the shelter animals and we really created programs around this where even like if they didn't live with the person, they could come and visit and be there. But I think there's such an integral. I, I don't know how people do life without pets. I'm so confused. Yeah, never had any. Well, I, I, I guess we've had pets, but never like never a dog or a cat or anything like that. It's always Are you been, serious. Yeah, yeah. That no, and it's my heart. I know. I know. Well, I've always wanted one. My dad is the one who's not a fan of dogs and cats and all that. Um, how? He, <laughs> he's gone. He works. He used to work as a general contractor and he would just go into a lot of houses that would be would just smell like dog and cat urine. And I think there's an association there or they would scratch up all the tiles. And my dad being the contractor, he really wants. Has he seen what kids do to houses? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, but for sure. <laughs> he got frustrated enough at us um, enough times, but. That's so funny because like I had uh, friends who were contractors who would have their dogs in the car with them. Like the dog would just mm. travel with them and just like sit in the car, wait for them to be done doing what they're doing and then come back out. 
I, I always wanted, I always wanted pets. And especially, I think, especially over the last eight, nine years since I've been sick, because yeah, the, the, the boost to the mental health is, it's so, so very real. Um, I, I was puppy sitting for one of my friends, uh, I think two years ago. And like once a week, I would go over there and just look after his, his dog while I did a little bit of work. And it was like, it added so much joy to my life. It was really the best day of every single week. Um, I mean, they so even shown like, if you just watch videos of dogs and cats, like it, it like visibly improves your mood. Yeah. Isn't that, that, that's, that's the new therapy. Just go watch cat videos. <laughs> My husband has done that. Like when I've had a panic attack, he's just like turned, he's like, okay, sit. And he just puts YouTube on. And like, he just puts on like cute animal compilations for me. And I swear, like, I'm not done with the panic attack, but it does like at least stop the spinning spiral. Cute animals are always something that will just grab your attention, right? I don't know if we're good enough for animals. Like I'm still not entirely certain I deserve the dogs I have. Yeah, we're not worthy. They are definitely the superior species there. I mean, like I, as far as like coping emotionally, yes. Now coping physically, my dogs have learned that if I get hurt, I go back to bed. So everyone has to corral my dog to the side. If I'm trying to get out of the house, because he will go running up to me and nuzzle my leg until it gets dislocated. Cause then I go back to bed and then he gets snuggles all day. So he's (laughs) completely. Yeah. Now, Everyone like always goes, well, dogs are like obviously the best and cats are evil. And I don't understand this concept because my cat is like, she is the most empathetic, sweet little creature ever, except when she's being evil. But you know, like me, she's, you know, both sides. But if I dislocate, she jumps on the joint and she curls around the joint and then she purrs and like tries to like create this like vibration thing around the joint to like make it feel better. And it actually does feel a little better. And if I cry, she jumps onto my chest and tries to like put her like muzzle to my mouth. And she tries to meow at me at the exact tone that I'm crying in. And oh, then she like headbutt me. It's like, the it's so sweet. Like she's just, yeah, she's amazing. Oh, that's adorable. I yeah. was, I was just going to ask you if your pets can tell if you're having a bad day or if you're in a lot of pain, I think you answer yeah. it right now my wolf will throw himself at the door until someone lets him into my room and he won't like if uh, if he's told that i'm in, like he'll be like no no bed he'll run to the side of my bed and just put his head up here and they have my husband has to let the dogs in every morning for a proof of life check otherwise they will cry and throw themselves at my door so he has to open the door so they can run in and sniff me and see that i'm alive and get pets and then they're pretty okay for the rest of the day but they have to like have proof of life it's, you have to go in and, and check yeah. on mom. Check on mom, make sure mom's okay. Yeah. And then, but like I've passed out before and we got the Apple watch for this because I was on the ground and the dog found me and he's 95 pounds and he just laid across my chest. Like you are standing badly. You can't stand. You should stop the standing thing. So I'm just going to stay here. And I couldn't call out for help because 95 pounds on my chest and I was laughing it took my husband like five, 10 minutes to figure out what was going on. <laughs> and it's like, all right, Apple watch, we're getting the watch. <laughs> oh my God. It's very well-intentioned, but <laughs> it's really cute, but it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're crushing me. I can't breathe, but <laughs> yeah, but he was so sure he was, so sure he was being a good boy. Like he was so positive, but he was good boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny.
Yeah, you should I wish your dad was more on board. Like if you just had like a pug, like a dog that doesn't know, like the pug almost never needs to be walked. Like she just wants to snuggle and she can just run around the house and get energy out. Like you just have like a small dog yeah. that just wants to hang out all day. Like that's, that's the best. I think I need to move out first. And I, it's hard. Yeah. I think, I, I think I, that's going to be the, the next step or like, yeah, yeah. Guilt? Can you try guilt? Oh, I've tried that. Trust me. I tried that when I was, <laughs> I, I think I, I remember trying that when I was about seven years old and it didn't work. I tried for a while and eventually it was like, no, this is just a hard no. Don't go there. That's yeah. cute. <laughs> Hard no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eventually, I got the opposite. They're like, no more pets. Please stop that. No more. <laughs> we did. We did get a couple. Um, which pets did we have? We had gerbils for a couple years. Um, when I, when I was really young, we had a hamster. I accidentally killed one of the gerbils. No. I know it was really bad. I I think I was five years old at the time. I tried catching it and putting it back in its cage when it escaped, and I. Oh my yeah, god no, I, you cannot give small children small pets that's not like that's not good i don't know why people keep doing that like giving kids hamsters or rabbits it's like no they're <laughs> kids don't have the fine motor control to be safe with small um, yeah yeah no it was it, it was pretty traumatic i remember oh. my sister ran out of the room and was like yelling at my dad to go and call the ambulance to get the gerbil <laughs> resuscitated but i'm so sad i know i know but um, but yeah, no, we we had those. We we had snakes, but they're not really emotional support pets. We had we had some garter snakes, so not poisonous or anything. But we'd we'd catch them every single year, and then we'd keep them over the the winter, fatten them up, um, and then we just release them the the following spring. Oh, okay, so you didn't have, like as my friends have had snakes that are really like super lovely and really nice. Like they wear them as bracelets, and they're like snuggly and. You know, but they were raised for that. You were catching wild ones. Those are not. Yeah, well, they're not I mean, emotional support danger noodles. Yeah, no garter snakes. I, I hope that listeners here aren't too too queasy about this sort of thing. But but garter snakes, you can just pick up, and generally they'll try and slither away for a minute or two. But after that, they will just like coil themselves in your hand. They'll like climb all around your body, and they don't really care at all. So no, they were. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah. I used to have a, my, uh, I used to work in a nature center and we had a ball python, not python, a boa, a little rosy boa. And she was so sweet. I would just wear her as a bracelet while I was doing all my chores at the nature center. Like we'd just hang. That's so cool. She was really sweet. I used to be terrified. I had panic attacks around snakes and working there. Like that was so helpful. <laughs> you could not have panic attacks around a snake working in a nature center. So by the end of the day, she never friends. You were saying it was a boa? Aren't those yeah. the one, like, boa constrictor? Yeah. Those aren't dangerous at all? I mean, she was probably about that big. So there was oh, no okay. lot she was going to be able to do, but she's also tame. Like, she just, I mean, granted, there's no such thing as a completely tame snake. Like, they're, it's not possible. And please don't go grabbing garter snakes and bringing them home. Like, just, yeah, let them be wild. But the, um, like I wouldn't have like a like a massive snake in anything with kids around like that would be dangerous but like a little boa she would just kind of hang out and she was she was the the uh the center is like little snake so you know all of us would handle her all the time really loving and she would just hang out on my wrist we'd chill 
She has like a little bracelet. <laughs> she was very sweet. She was very kind and like helping me get over my terror of snakes. Nice, but I wouldn't nice. feed her. Like I, I can't do the feeding of snakes. I would never be able to own one. Like I yeah. cannot feed a live animal to another animal. I just can't. Cannot yeah. get around that one. It's yeah, it's an experience to watch, but yeah, definitely. I, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I'm not going into that. No, no, I just like, I get like in the wild, that's how that works, but at least the mouse has a chance to run away. Like, I just can't wrap my brain around, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And no, I'm not a vegetarian. So, I get it. It's total hypocrisy, but still. So, so we, for coping, tackled, um, <laughs> yeah, for coping, we've got animals, writing, chess. For me, yeah. um, books, any, reading, books, yeah, reading is like the best. Reading is really good. Do you are you reading any books right now? I am. I'm re. <laughs> I am. I'm totally reading. <laughs> are you reading then, all those at once? Uh, three of them, and then two more on my Kindle. Wow. It just depends on what I can do. It's like I can't. I usually can't hold big books. And that's really hard on my hands, but unfortunately, my research is not on a digital format. Um, so that's that. And then I have um, I have different books I'm reading on Kindle, on on um, Apple Books, and on my Libby app. I don't know. Have you met Libby? Yeah, yeah. That's I use Libby sometimes. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, it's, I have. A, to... It's amazing the selection they have there. Oh my God, it's like everything you could buy on like Audible or on um kindle and it's just like free i i closed my audible account after i found libby yeah that's um i i audible drives me nuts because there's so many people with vision issues and it's such an important resource to be able to have you know audible books and it's just, it it rubs me the wrong way when things are needed and then they're charged like it's it's so nice to have libby so you can like you know if you have vision issues or learning um differences to have like audible is so important like and libby does it for free and is is audible not very accessible i don't know i've never used it because i found libby before i found audible mm. i also yeah. do not have the attention span to listen to books yeah i find that very hard especially novels yeah the only time I did it was when I was in college and I worked three jobs to put myself through college. So I would be driving and I was a literature major, partly because of this, I could do this. <laughs> the literature major was I would get the book that was due and I would listen to it on books on tape in my car as I was driving to my next job. So I would like start at one job, listen on my commute to that job, work, listen on the commute to the next job leave that job for night classes and listen on the way to school. And then when I get to each job, I would take out my book and quickly underline whatever passages were gonna uphold my thesis. And then I would just like, you know, yeah, I'd have it all set for when I get home at like midnight and then I'd write my paper till three in the morning and yeah. That is a wild schedule, my God. And I still had more free time then than I do with kids. Wow. I now have free time because my kids are teenagers, but when like zero through about eight, I had more free time working that schedule than I did when I had like small kids. Yeah, you got you must have gotten really good at multitasking there. I am annoyingly good at it. And it's not a good thing because like everything gets half done. 
and I have a hard time focusing. I have a really, like, I can't watch a movie. It drives everyone in my house nuts. I have to be reading a book while a movie is going, or I need to be drawing, or I need to be folding clothes. I can't just sit and watch a movie. See, if I tried doing that, I would just do everything very poorly. Like I wouldn't catch anything in the movie. My clothes would be folded improperly. <laughs> uh, they'd have creases everywhere or yeah, nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd screw it all up. It's not fun to live with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, other, um, I'm thinking about other coping me mechanisms. So some one that I that I wanted to mention that I did for quite a while, and I again I jumped all over the place as I told you, diving headfirst into things for for a period. Oh, are you frozen there? Oh no. <laughs> okay, you just weren't moving. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is how ADD I am. If I stay still for like ten seconds. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but one thing that I did for, for quite a while, this was after I, my headaches were really severe. This is a while ago. Um, my headaches were severe. I couldn't watch any TV and I got really into podcasts. And for a certain while, for a certain period, I was only listening to astro astronomy podcasts, which I found really fascinating. They were very technical. Like I would listen to these six part series on the history of Mars and like everything that like the geological history, everything that we've learned, all the different missions. And it, it might sound very dry. Like if I were to listen back to that, it might sound very dry. But I think at the time there was the sense of, you know, my world felt so incredibly small being mostly confined to the same room. But then all of a sudden, I feel connected to this larger thing in humanity where we're on this incredible mission to leave earth, go to this completely separate planet, explore, learn so much about it. Um, and I, I guess in the, in a way like astronomy as a whole, when you think about all the different galaxies that we've discovered and, and just how vast this universe is, it made me feel really insignificant but in a very beautiful way. Like I'm this uh, grain of sand on this infinitely long beach um, and I'm just a part of the universe um, itself, which, which, yeah, I guess that for me, that was a really, that was a really big coping mechanism for a while. That's beautiful. And it takes like a, someone who has enough sense of themselves to find that beautiful. I've known people who've um, done uh, ayahuasca. Uh, is that, yeah, and um, lost their freaking minds because that was the conclusion they came to and they couldn't handle it. Like, mm. I think there's like two different kinds of people who can handle the idea of I'm a grain of sand and that's beautiful or I'm a grain of sand, but I'm supposed to be not that. And that can become like a real mind unraveler. We were watching um, The Cosmos. There's a new season of it, which oh, no I'm obsessed with. Um, I got Disney Plus specifically so I could get National Geographic. Um, which is so much fun. I love that show. And there's a lot of those episodes of things like that on there, not just from Neil deGrasse Tyson, but um, there's some other shows on there that are really good. But yeah, Cosmos has a lot of that. And they explain, like, I, um, I love physics. I love science. I love mathematics. I love engineering. I also love when people can explain to me like I'm five because I love the concepts. I can't always follow them. And Neil deGrasse Tyson does such an incredible job of doing that without making you feel stupid. 
Like I want to understand these things. So I need someone to really explain it to me. And he does it in a way that I don't like, I can understand it. And I don't feel talked down to. My mom and I, for a while, she wanted, I was listening to so much astrophysics and astronomy that she wanted to get to understand it as well. So we could chat about that. Um, so yeah, when I, again, when I was really sick a few years back, my mom, we, we got a book called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry yep. by, by, oh, you've got that too? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It it's, explains things in a way that is so understandable, that is in like very plain English. Yeah. Um, I love that. Like, I think it's so, I think it's almost a sign of snobbery when someone like makes it inaccessible like you remember when, um like they were when there was the whole thing with biden and his wife and they're like well she should drop the doctor because she's not really a doctor and by the way her thesis is really like so pedestrian and her thesis was super important it's like how do we keep people in the junior college system and it's like it, her thesis is actually named something like that and i went through higher academics and i can tell you like just because you can use these insane words and make it really inaccessible does not make your thesis stronger. It's really nice when you can write a thesis that people can go, oh, that's actually interesting. Like it shouldn't be that only like the small group of elite people who like, it should be accessible. Like you should be able to, it doesn't make you smarter because you made it inaccessible. That's a yeah. little that statement. Yeah, it doesn't make you no. smarter inaccessible. There we go. <laughs> no, and that's so true. Like as somebody who studied engineering physics at school, so much of the so much of the way that it's taught is often in a way that is inaccessible. Or when you or when you talk to professors a good amount of the time, it's like it's not in a language that you can even understand. So you like if you can't understand the basic concepts, then you don't understand the importance of it. So yeah, getting yeah. that communication is so important. I was convinced that I was really stupid through high school. Like my my counselors told me to find a career that didn't involve college. Like, and I was so fascinated by math and science. And it's always been my hobby. Like to research science is like fascinating to me, but I never felt comfortable in an academic setting with it. And that kind of bums me out because I think I could have really enjoyed taking like physics classes. And if I had, if I hadn't felt like it was so out of my, my wheelhouse. Mm, yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot of people who are creative can really excel at that sort of thing. Einstein, for example, was super, super creative. And that is one of the reasons he was able to um, find all these, come up with all these ground uh, breaking theories. He would just have these, Oh, did I freeze? No. Are we good? Oh, no, no. Um, yeah, he would he would just have these thought experiments where he would picture something happening and he would get so lost in it. And then he would end up, he would spend like several years being lost in his thought on this experiment that is only taking place in his mind and end up coming up with the theory of relativity from it. And to be fair, his wife actually came up with a lot of his stuff. She did. She did. She and he took a lot of credit for stuff that she actually came up with. And he was able to do these thought experiments because someone else took care of bills, grocery shopping, food. <laughs> Sorry, that's just like my little like growl because uh, Madame Curie, like Marie Curie, they were going to give the, the, um, the, the prize to her husband. And he said, no, he said, no, she's the one who actually did it. That's how we know her is that her husband refused to take credit for her work. So like, I don't know how much of Einstein I'm like, hmm. Mm. 
<laughs> but anyway, you know, your point totally made and taken, but I just, yeah, I get grumbly about that stuff. <laughs> no, 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 that that's a hundred percent true. That's like a, uh, or something that isn't given enough credit when you look back on history. And another example of women just being discredited for their work. Yeah, or that our work lives on in someone else's, um, which is also I love about Neil deGrasse Tyson. Now, I know he himself has his own Me Too moment, and I'm totally aware of this, but I will say that his show Cosmos does a really good job of reallocating um, praise and credit. And I'm really happy to see that. I was really happy to watch that and go, oh, that's that's who was the one who actually did that thing. Okay, <laughs> got it. <laughs> good to know. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, women have, women have played a really big part in astronomy. And I know there was, I'm forgetting the name, but there was a film recently that was talking about the space race and the huge role that women played in that as well. Hidden figures? Yeah, hidden figures. Yeah. Loved. I mean, like, it was, uh, there's a lot that there's problems with it, but like, I'm so happy that this is something that people are talking about because someone who can do that level of mathematics in their brain is just off the charts and they were called computers. Like all of those women were called computers as a like devaluation, but they literally could do computations so well that there were astronauts up till now, like up until like the last 10 years who wouldn't fly a mission unless Catherine actually signed off on it with her own calculations. That's pretty extraordinary. That's before we have these central processing units and having yeah. these computers. Like they're they're all going off of slot cards. I don't even fully understand how those things work. But I was just doing research, and I'm probably going to not get this out in time. But for the other podcast, I was researching Valerie. Oh, brain fog. Oh my god. So sorry, Valerie. You're awesome. Um, she was at NASA and her father refused to teach her anything like she taught herself everything with like the boy's first book of electronics that I can remember and I can't remember her last name my god what's wrong with me um but she taught herself almost everything and she went to girls schools where they would not give her any classes in like higher mathematics she was able to like barter her way into a physics class but just like the amount of like push through you have to have to like get any sort of anything like my mom she wanted to take woodworking and she wanted to take like other classes and they're like nope home economics for you <laughs> it's um yeah coping sorry coping coping with misogyny and we'll, we'll we'll put that under that one <laughs> yeah but um for going back to coping like part of of coping not just with like how to handle illness, but I'm also a mom and I am part of a team that keeps a household together and, um, <laughs> finding ways to actually get chores done has been actually really helpful because, uh, I, I end up feeling really useless. My husband does like 90% of the housework and cooking and a lot of the like homework stuff. So I feel like guilty about it. So I've been like, you know, there's been things that I've learned to use that actually let me help cook. So like we have a Ninja hot cold blender, which means I can throw a bunch of things in and create a soup in 10 minutes with almost no standing time. And that's been cool. And robot vacuum cleaners are like my favorite thing ever. 
Yeah, that yeah, you've you've spoken about that one before. I'm really interested. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's I, it's just like it's it's not an insignificant purchase, but it's under two hundred dollars. So it's not like you know, there's like a lot of things that are like, oh, this will help you disabled person, but it's like ten grand. So that's annoying to me. But like the ninja thing was under one hundred and fifty dollars, and to be able to just like throw wow. low cost ingredients in. Like you can just throw risotto rice in and then like, or like I buy pre-cooked chicken a lot just to make my life easier. And I can just throw that in and then just hit the hearty soup thing. And I have this great chicken risotto and I had two minutes of standing time and it's healthy. So it's like, you're not spending money on, you know, takeout food. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for like, how do you save money when you're on a disability paycheck? So like, this is like an investment, but you're spending less than you would spend in like a week of takeout meals and it's healthier and the, you know, rice is cheap. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. With, with the amount of time it will save you too, it kind of pays for itself. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we were just doing the numbers on it and I was like, okay, so I, I made a tikka masala, which I love because I, yeah, I love it. No apologies. I love tikka masala. And uh, whenever we order out from the restaurant nearby, it's $50 for four people. And I made the tikka masala for, I think it was like $3 and it lasted for two or three meals and we don't have to wait 40 minutes. And it only took like five minutes of work on my part to make it. And it tastes just as delicious. Oh, good. And I also like, I try really hard to work on like not having plastics. So I know Trader Joe's has some really good stuff. Like Trader Joe's has a bunch of great takeout options that you just kind of throw in, but it's all wrapped in plastic and it drives me nuts. So this is my, my guilt. <laughs> so I'm starting to run out of energy. So maybe we can um, wrap this up. And um, a question is, or a, a question that just came to my mind is if somebody is newly chronically ill and hasn't found their go-to coping mechanisms, would you have any advice on how they could go about finding what is a very effective coping mechanism for them? I think that was part of the reason I started the podcast was, and why I always list like what everyone has at the very top, because no one will explain to you better than someone who's gone through it. Your doctor probably doesn't, if they don't have this, they don't know the coping things that someone who's lived with it for 20 years has. So um, as much as I, Facebook, I hate it so bad. Um, I'm still on it because of this is that um, you'll find your community there. Like you'll find, you know, the people with Eller Stainless who can tell you like, this is how you open a jar without dislocating your wrist. This is how you floss your teeth without dislocating your fingers, you know, or like for CFS, this is, or ME, this is, you know, what I did to stay relatively sane while I was in bed for, you know, however long. Like, I just think that community is everything. If you're not diagnosed, feel free to use us as your resource. We will love and care for you and we will not tell you you're crazy, um, but find those people that will not tell you you're crazy. Um, so that can just get brutal when you're not diagnosed and you're dealing with the world telling you that you should be something else and you don't have a name for it yet. Uh, that's That was probably the hardest like 20 years. Yeah, yeah, that was hard for me too. Um, I didn't, I mean, I was around when Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that were around, but I didn't use it very much to connect with the chronic illness community. And I honestly wish I would have done that sooner um, just to, yeah, ju just to understand, feel that 
sense of shared connection and shared experience that we all go through um, when it comes to living with chronic illnesses, being disbelieved, um, and yeah, just coming to acceptance over it. So I, I think that's a really, that's a very valuable lesson. What's yours? Um, I should have an answer to my own question, <laughs> shouldn't I? Nothing that I would talk long enough to like. <laughs> <laughs> I would just say, try a lot of things and see what works best for you. Try something new that you've never tried before. I never tried, I honestly never did anything artistic in my entire life. And I ended up getting into storytelling. And that was a huge joy for me in, and, and helped me discover a different part of myself that I didn't know existed. Um, and say learning guitar is another one that I experienced. I had previously played piano as a kid, but um, guitar was something I always wanted to learn, but I just didn't take the time to do it. And suddenly when I became chronically ill, it's like, I've got this time now. Mm. Um, so yeah, and I know chronic illness is so debilitating in so many different ways, but it can also be an opportunity to try out some new things. Yeah. I'd also say, don't feel guilty if you have to take a break. Um, chronic illness is almost like having a 80 hour week job. And if you need to take a break from all the drug trials or learning more about your illness or um, testing out different things, like I get it. If you need to take like a month, a week, a break, like this is a long marathon. <laughs> and sometimes like I've bowed out from like all stuff for like a few weeks just because I couldn't take another doctor call. Yeah, that's that's really big. Um, as you're uh, one second, sorry, brain fog moment. No worries. <laughs> um, no, I have something. Um, yeah, I, I guess uh, a lot of the a lot of the coping mechanisms I was talking about today were very active ones where you have to do a lot of focus towards. But I think also just having whether it's, it's like listening to a talk show, a talk podcast, anything to um, drown out any suffering. If you're having a really bad day, that's perfectly okay too. If you want to mm. turn on the TV and just watch a whole bunch of Brooklyn nine, nine or whatever else good? Go for it. It's, it's pretty funny. I've okay. seen, I think I've seen two seasons of it. That was just the first thing that came to my head. I don't actually watch <laughs> a lot of TV. <laughs> I, I do. I think I've actually ended like Netflix, Amazon prime stars. Like I've gone through almost everything on everything. <laughs> yeah yeah I think you should have like a few shows that you know that you like I have shows I will watch 10 12 times through like I I will go back to them every time I need something from them like I watch the magicians probably about six times all the way through and I'll keep doing it I love it and like if I need to feel better about the world or I need to be a better person for something like if there's something going on with my kids and I need to be a better mom or I need to be like a better friend I'll watch the good witch and I will try to be more like Cassie or like if I am terrified about where the world is going, I will watch Shit's Creek because I will feel like maybe we're all just genuinely good and we're just misunderstanding each other or a good place. Like, or I'll watch Pride and Prejudice because I'm like, wow, the world is really crap for like everyone. And we still found like some little things to like enjoy. So Yeah. I have like all my shows I'll rewatch a billion times if I need like emotional support or I have um, Elizabeth Gilbert and Glennon Doyle and Brene Brown who are all my therapists and they don't know that. 
Yeah. Oh, it's so great having, it, it really sounds like you know yourself very well when it comes to all these different things. Like, you know what you need in any Am I right with that or no? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, uh, I was raised by a therapist. My dad was an MFCC, a marriage and child family therapist. So it was always, I I actually asked him to spank me once because I was like, I can't tell you why I did this. I'm sorry. I just cannot discuss anymore. Why I did this wrong thing? Just can we, you just punish me. So it was always about like self-discovery all the time. Like he taught me to meditate when I was five like wow. transcendental meditation. He was like, you will need this in your life because <laughs> yeah. So knowing yourself is a big deal in my house. Did, so did, yeah. you, did you appreciate that back then? Like, or were you like, what is the point of this? Um, so he led it with anything can be taken from you, your freedom, your body, anything can be taken from you, but they can't take your mind and your imagination. So it's a little heavy for five. Um, <laughs> but I did love it. Um, I do find it a little too intense sometimes. Uh, I've never taken hard drugs except on accident once. So I might like everyone in my life has done acid and mushrooms and like everything else. Uh, I've never done any of it. And so what they describe is kind of like what I've gotten to when I was like a kid and I'd meditate. Um, so the meditation can be a little intense for me sometimes, but I still love it. I still use it when it can be still long enough, which is hard. Yeah, me too. That's the other thing that I think like meditation gets wrong for chronic illness and chronic pain patients. You don't have to stay still. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate that they're like, no, you must stay still. I'm like, I will break if you want me to sit with my legs crossed for any amount of time or like sit kneeling or like I have to move all the time. And I found other ways to meditate that does not involve being still. Yeah, meditation can be any activity. What, one of my favorite forms of meditation is meditation eating, where you just eat something and all you do is you focus on the taste. And it's great. You realize like, you know, while reading a newspaper and eating all my food, how much am I actually missing? But then you, if, you, if that's all you focus on, food tastes so much better. And yeah, I think- Oh my God, can, it can break so you from some ways. bad food habits too. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I get into sugar when I'm scared. If I'm scared and stressed, which is like part of why I gained like so much weight in the last like six months, but it's just eating sugar to like comfort. And I started like really paying attention to the taste. I'm like, I actually don't like this. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this. It does not taste good and it's making me feel bad. So, like, just mindful eating can, you know, be a meditation and you enjoy your food more and you stop eating crappy stuff that doesn't taste that good. Yeah, you notice all these un- unhealthy habits. I've definitely noticed that too. Oh my God. Yeah. When my son moved out, it was like a lot of my stress and fear was like, he likes to go for nighttime drives. And that scared the hell out of me. I would always, like, I could not sleep until he got home. And I'd been eating so much sugar throughout the day just because I was tired and because, like, I was just at this constant level of fear. Like, once he moved out and until he, got COVID and now yeah. I'm scared again. Um, until then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not as scared. I can like really rethink what I'm doing. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another roundtable episode of Invisible Not Broken, part of the Invisible Not Broken podcast network. If you haven't already, please take the next 30 seconds to do these three things. Subscribe to all of our shows, leave feedback with a review, and share this episode with a loved one. 
Don't forget to check out our official Invisible Not Broken Network Facebook group. Please join us in our community conversations where you can ask questions, connect with fellow Invisible Illness peers, and make suggestions for the podcast. That's all for today. Take care and remember to be kind, be gentle, and in whatever way you can, be a badass.